0: This is the Power Aesthetic Podcast. My name is Paul Wagoner and today we are going to be talking about fear and risk. I was at my dad's the other day uh, spending some time with my mom for Mother's Day and we were talking about world events as my dad and I usually do. Um, he's an Orthodox priest as some of you guys might know and so he filters everything through that worldview but he's also a very open-minded guy and uh, a very enjoyable guy to have conversations with and you know, we just sort of like to kind of compare where our headspace is. And I see different things than he sees. And, you know, we have our finger on kind of different pulses as far as the world is concerned. And he was talking about a uh, a priest that he admires and a quote that this priest had where he said something to the effect of uh, a great deal of sin is created by the fear of death. And we were just talking about the idea of the decisions that people make based around fear rather than based around rationality or even what they want. And, you know, I was talking about the idea that, you know, most people in this day and age seem to make a great deal of their decisions off of fear of all kinds of different things. You know, and of course, we were talking about the state of the world. We were talking about, you know, COVID and masks and vaccines and, you know, riots and you know, the current state of race relations in the United States and tension and all the rest this kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it's, it's crazy because it seems like people obviously are always going to make decisions based around the fear of death because that's self-preservation. Every human being has a built-in fear of death and a built-in death avoidance, you know, impulse. But also a lot of people make decisions around a fear of discomfort, a fear of unease, uh, a fear of, of social censure, of, of, you know, of a removal, fear of the removal of social capital and a fear of consequences to any of these things, which leads us sort of back to fear of discomfort um, and, and being afraid of unease. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, how how to avoid this or how these things are avoided and, and you know, how, you know, in my group and, and the, uh, most of the people that I spend a lot of time with. We don't tend to make a lot of our decisions based on what the world is doing or how the world is choosing to do things. We base our decisions on what we believe, uh, what we feel to be correct, uh, what we have have seen and experienced to be correct. And also on our own personal moral compass and, and our structure, our honor structure in our in our organization. And, you know, I have a lot more in common with my father as an Orthodox Christian than I, I probably at this point have with much of the world and we agree on a, a great number of topics. And so we were talking about, you know, how how do you get around this this fear or how do you get people out of this fear? And it started, you know, me kind of running down this this track of sort of this Nietzschean idea of the idea that men men desire danger and play. And I think that Although that was probably true in Nietzsche's day, I think that now that that desire has largely been kind of jammed down and repressed. And I think that these days risk is like risk and dangerous behaviors are are sort of on that list of socially unacceptable behavior where you know, guys live vicariously through sports teams and video games and you know all the rest of this kind of thing now. and a lot of them are not doing anything that is going to trigger that sort of, that, that risk need that I think men actually have, whether they're aware of it or not. And, you know, as we were having this discussion, I was talking about the idea that, you know, there, there are decisions that my father made in his life and decisions that I made in my life that no one had to educate us on, on these decisions. You know, I, I've always respected my dad because he's made a lot of decisions based on integrity versus comfort. You know, I mean, I remember my mom telling us stories about how, you know, when my dad was first a priest, he he was ordained as a, as an Episcopal priest at St. Paul's in DC and was making an amount of money that my mom referred to as enough that I never had to balance the checkbook. And as the church started going in a direction that he did not agree with ideologically, he walked away and He took a job as a lumberjack in the woods of Wisconsin, and he moved all of us—that's him and my mom and four boys—into a tiny place called Cabin One with, like, no running water. uh, You know, no electricity, and it was uh, like a camping cabin, and we lived there. And he cut down trees and everything like that. And but you know, he he still provided for us. He he was the kind of guy who could who could go into this kind of discomfort situation and he could risk this knowing that he would take care of it and knowing that he would be able to do that. You know, I've made a lot of decisions in my life based on kind of the same thing. And it's not a brag. It's just how my brain works. It's how I was raised, but it's also a lot of the environment that I came up in. And I think that this is critical too. You know, there's a lot of guys my age who who I think are, are totally lost, but I think that it's even worse for younger generations. You know, if you engage in 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 certain kinds of behavior, they're considered antisocial, and and you're you're going to be psychologically evaluated and possibly have criminal charges pressed on you if you get into like a fist fight at school. And you know, when I was a kid, we were running around and in the in the wildlands of Wyoming in the countryside, and we were building cabins and forts and defending them with violence from other, you know, gangs of kids. It, no one taught us these games. You know, these are just the natural ways that we played and that we understood our place in the world. You know, it created this sense of inside, outside of belonging and, and also of, you know, building things and and fighting for them and all the rest of it. So, you know, we started talking about how to avoid being victims of fear and, a lot of it is, is I think training for, for risk. There, there's a realistic and an unrealistic way to approach risk in our life. The unrealistic way to approach risk is to dive into situations that are dangerous or risky with absolutely zero sort of forethought or, or experience, I guess, you know, it's one thing for a guy who's trained, you know, a couple years of MMA or something like that to, to be in a, in a fight, whether that's a sanctioned fight in the ring or, or a street fight or something like that, it's another thing for somebody with just a, a totally overinflated sense of their own safety in a situation like that, diving into that and, and getting fucked up or hurt really badly. And so I think, you know, one of the things that we can do to avoid being victims of fear is we can train for various situations of risk. You know, we can we can on, on the simplest level, we can be strong. We can be dangerous uh, in, an, in an armed and unarmed type situation. Um, and we can develop, you know, a love for discomfort. I, I think that, you know, it's so crazy. I, I had posted something on the internet the other day about this, you know, but there's there's this whole subset of people that talk about the hardship and everything like that of training in the gym. But this is crazy to me because I, I love to train. I love to lift weights. I love doing jujitsu. It is hard. It's difficult. But. Um, some days are easier than others. Some days are really challenging and you can get pretty banged up. And, you know, the myth of jujitsu is the gentle art is obviously bullshit. You know, you're you're going to get hurt if you train, you're going to get injured and you're going to have to work around that. But a lot of that creates a, a mental fortitude and a toughness that's probably one of the most valuable things about strength and combat sports. And so it's you know that's not that's not a hardship it's it's training your body and your mind to welcome hardship and discomfort and there's a big difference between discomfort and hardship you know hardship is like living in the eastern block or whatever and only being able to get like bon jovi tapes or something like that in 2020 because you know everything is like 20 years behind and you got to wait in line for a half a potato or whatever you know that's hardship going to the gym and, and training is a leisure pursuit. It's a leisure activity. Uh, I, I would say that training combat sports, you know, jiu-jitsu, martial arts and stuff is, is less leisure and more more mandatory, but it's something, it's expensive, you know, uh, for a lot of people. And, you know, so anyway, these are things that are, these are not hardships. They're They're things that we get to do in order to inoculate ourselves against discomfort. And so, you know, it's just like, the Jocko thing, you know, it's like getting up early or or you know whatever, getting into cold water and, and pretending you're a fucking Viking because you get into cold water in the mornings. All you're doing is inoculating yourself against really minor discomforts, which is a good thing. And and it is something that we should pursue because it's a way to live in a world without being overcome by fear. So my point is that to avoid being a victim of fear. You have to evaluate the risks that create the fear and you have to train for those risks to be prepared for those risks. They're not, and and for most people, they're not physical ones necessarily, although a lot of people are afraid of physical violent confrontation. There's a lot of people who are afraid of confrontation in general, you know, uh, verbal confrontation. Well, you can train for that, you know, and, you know, there's people who are afraid of, you know, the, the never enough idea, you know, there's people who are afraid of, of losing all their money or whatever. And I always want to ask these people, you know, what, what do you think the worst fucking thing that's going to happen is if you if you lose your job or quit your job or something, you're going to have to land on your feet. And you're going to have to develop a mindset that is is quick and is resilient and is able to be self-sufficient in a lot of these situations and the way that we do this is to evaluate those fears evaluate those risks and train for them and so you know this realistic versus unrealistic risk is you you can you can go steps further you can train for them and then you can do things like okay well I'm going to compete competing is different from training competing in in a MMA fight is a lot different from competing in a jiu-jitsu match Um, and you know it's the same thing with You know, there's a big difference between going on a three day hike and living like a total nomad, you know, out of a out of a van or off a motorcycle or something like that. So there are levels to these risks um, and there's levels to these these areas of commitment. You know, you don't have to and I've said this before, you don't have to jump into a mud hut overnight and and burn all your possessions in order to acclimate yourself to these risks. But you can level your way into them, and you can get comfortable with discomfort. And I think that these are are very valuable things to do. And I think that you should probably be looking each month and saying, what's something that I can do or something that I can train for or something if I'm already training for that I can experience at a higher level of discomfort or risk? Because risk and danger are the things that recharge a man's batteries. They're, They're the things that give us purpose in this world. And Purpose is largely self-created in this world, and so by giving yourself these challenges, you automatically feed yourself a way to keep your batteries charged, to keep your mind on the mission, and to keep your, your heart engaged in life itself, you know, to keep yourself Burning rather than kind of just sitting there like a pile of ashes going through your daily circuits and your daily routines. This is what creates burnout. Burnout is created by expending energy at a higher rate than you are recharging that energy. And it's these things that recharge our 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 lives and our our energy, our internal power. You know, resting is good, but resting doesn't necessarily recharge the batteries. The batteries have to constantly be expanded so that we can take in more energy and that we can expend more energy because this is what it means to be alive. This is what it means to have power increase and to, to experience resistance being overcome, which is what Nietzsche said was good in life, period, which, which I completely agree with, is that it's not just about going out and running a 10-minute mile every day. It's about running further or faster and then continuing to build on that platform until we've elevated ourselves to a place where we say, I am comfortable and confident at a place that I've challenged myself really fucking hard to get to. And now I have to stay here. I can't fall off the path. So, you know, for for inoculating ourselves from disease, there's all these different things that we can start to do in order to escape this, this culture of fear. And it's, we have to change our you know, living in this culture of fear, we have to change this to a culture of danger. We have to change it to a culture of experience, a culture of overcoming, a culture of conquest, a culture of victory. Um, All these things that, that I believe our forebears certainly were, and that, that a lot of us are losing touch with. So when we think about this, you know, what, what are the great fears? The great fears are death, uh, you know, discomfort, not having enough and all the rest of this kind of shit. Well, If you're currently working and you are spending your money in an unintelligent fashion, that's not preparing yourself. It's not reducing that unease about what if. And so, you know, you should be investing your money intelligently in things that matter. Uh, I would say what matters is invest in yourself, invest in your network. Uh, And I, I mean, you know, invest in good food for the basics, invest in training, invest in skills, invest in experience, invest in land. Um, you know, put your money where it's gonna matter the most instead of just spending your money or or throwing it away on on rent and all the rest of this kind of stuff. You know, set your goals high and you'll have less of a fear of well, what if? You know, well, I own my own property and and barring you know the government coming and just taking it away, which there's very little at the end of the day that you're gonna be able to do about that, anyways. I'm fine. If I lose a job or a house or whatever, I have property. I have another spot, you know what I mean? And it belongs to me. Um, you know, get used to needing less. It's crazy how much as Americans we have and, and is listening to this, I don't care if you live in Canada or the UK, you know, my dad and I were laughing about this, but we live like fucking Kings we have two and three story houses with hot and cold water on tap. And even if we moved into that three story house with very little, we will find a way to fill it up with fucking bullshit, you know, and this isn't a condemnation on people who don't, you know, live like I live. I mean, I, I moved out of the woods twice and out of tiny houses and moved into big fucking houses in the city. And, you know, what happens is they immediately or over time, they get filled up with fucking bullshit. It just happens. You know, we're, we're human pack rats and we find a way to accumulate things or, or, you know, it just occurs. And so you have to keep a very weather eye on that. And you have to get accustomed to the idea of saying, if I lost all this in a house fire tonight, barring like two or three possessions, would I be Okay and if you can absolutely look at it and say yeah i probably could then you're in pretty good standing my friend you know you're you're in a situation where you don't have to fear losing that stuff getting getting used to the idea of that i think is a is a major mental shift for a lot of people in the western world of saying you know there's all these Instagram memes where it's like, would you live in this house for 30 days for a million dollars? And it's some idyllic little cottage or whatever with fucking power and water and everything like that. I'm like, man, I've lived in a hole in the ground covered by a sheet of tarpaulin. It's like that, uh, for Yorkshireman or whatever it is, Monty Python skit where you watch these things and you're like, you know, you look at them and people are like, Oh, I had to live here. And you're like, look, we would have dreamed of a cottage in the trees. You know what I mean? It's, I've lived in places like by choice, you know, I've lived on, uh, off my motorcycle under a tarp, you know what I mean? And again, this, this isn't a flex. It's just that life doesn't have that much to threaten me with because I've done that stuff by choice. And so I'm used to living with very little, um, just because I have it now, <laughs> you know, I've got two Lexuses in my driveway, a couple of Harley Davidson's out there and a lot of nice shit. And, you know, I'm, I, you know, as a personal admission, I'm about to downsize again. I I worked for the last couple years in the financial industry and I made a shitload of money. Um, and I started getting the feeling that it was no longer kind of in line with me and who I was and who I wanted to be. And I realized I wanted to get back to basics. And so, uh, this past Saturday I fucking resigned and, you know, shook hands with my partner and said, Hey, I'm out. And, uh, I, I'm looking straight in the eye of, uh, <laughs> you know, a little bit of anxiety and excitement, but zero income uh, and, and back to being completely on my own again. And it's a it's a wonderful, exciting feeling of risk and danger, you know, and and I knew I needed to make that decision for my own integrity. But again, I have no worries because I'm not worried about it because I've developed the experience and the skills, which is kind of the next thing on the list is you need to be building skill bases that face those risks and fears. If you're worried about a global like meltdown apocalypse type situation, the first thing you should probably ask is like, can I hunt? You know, I'm always blown away by the amount of like fucking drastically overweight, you know, uh, people with a collection of ARs and like every possible crazy accessory on, you know, every gun that they own and like all these neat trinkets and things like that. And like, you're like, Hey, uh, you might want to learn how to bow hunt. You know what I mean? (laughs) You might want to learn how to garden or some shit. There's a lot of skill sets that you can, that you can learn or become familiar with, uh, that, that are not, you know, they're not going to take the rest of your life to learn. You know, they might take a while. You might have to put in some time on it, but these are the skill bases that you should be learning and other skill bases for, for modern life. You know, if you're worried about getting, Doxed for saying the wrong thing six years ago on Twitter, you should know how to make your own money. You should get into a situation where you you know how to how to do something. I don't care if it's hanging out a shingle for 80K a year as a copywriter, or whether it's, you know, running your own business off whatever social media you're still allowed on, or anything that it is these skill bases of of becoming self-sufficient or being able to freelance or whatever it is and selling yourselves are really important. Um, I, I can't just go get a job. You know, I've, I've lived too much. Uh, I've lived too much with this stuff in mind of being like, well, I'm not worried about this. I'm not afraid of it. And then been tested by life to be like, Oh, really? Because this is the situation you're in right now. Here's where your integrity got you, dumbass. Uh, you know, but it's it, it, it can happen. And so you have to develop this stuff. And I think, you know, importantly, and I've talked about this before, you should be thinking about building a network. You know, who are the people around you? I, I, I never say I'm lucky because it's not luck that created this stuff. It's 15, 16 years of absolutely hard work. But after that time, I have a network of guys around me who are, fucking absolute, you know, pipe hitters, and there's, I know, special forces guys, guys who run wilderness schools, and and I'm not saying guys I know, I mean guys that I'm absolutely tight with, in an organization with, and I have no doubt, that I can call these guys in a bad situation and that they can call me likewise in a situation that requires my talents and we'll, we'll go in for one another. You know, I know if something bad happened to me that my my old lady, my family would be taken care of by these guys and everything like that. And if you don't have that, that's okay. You know, there's time. There's time to build that kind of stuff. But you've got to start networking and you've got to start networking real relationships, You know, just because you know somebody and you've chatted on Instagram, it doesn't mean shit. You've got to meet up in real life and get to know people and create actual friendships, which is such a crazy thing in this world right now. Most people communicate, most people do most of their communication via social media these days, uh, via messenger, email, and so on and so forth. But it is not a replacement for the real thing, as I'm sure you're all aware. You know, we have to instill this idea of... This, this idea of being a danger culture, of being a risk culture into our communities and and into our future generations, you know, your your kids, your nephews and all the rest of this stuff, because you know, those of us who are in our 30s, depending on how we came up, man, we came up different and, and you're built of different shit. Even where you came from, you know, a lot of my friends are from the Midwest and there's even a difference in the guys in the Midwest and the way they grew up to the guys that I know that grew up out here on the East Coast, especially in wealthier neighborhoods and stuff like that there's a big difference and you owe it to your community to share that kind of stuff with them and and to to inoculate yourself against fear and and discomfort the real vaccine man is a vaccine against fear and fear comes in many many forms and if you're not ready for it you know, it's it's like the, the Manson quote that there's somebody around every corner looking to, you know, to get over on you and say, now we got your fear. And fear is how people control you. It doesn't matter whether you're in jail getting your soups taken or whether you're out here, you know, with people saying, oh, well, you better not say this or you better think this way because otherwise we're going to dox you or we're going to take your job away or we're going to take away your friends or whatever it is. It's all based on the idea of leveraging fear against you because you are in a situation and you are the type of individual who fear can be leveraged against all of us are afraid of stuff every single one of us are afraid of things but it's about being able to manage that fear down to a, a, a level where you can deal with it and a level where you can still operate with integrity and being able to be true to yourself and saying okay I am afraid but I'm not so afraid that this is gonna control me. I am afraid and I'm going to overcome this fear and I'm gonna get through this situation because I have trained for this. I was aware of this risk, and now I'm involved in this risk, and I'm not even uncomfortable here. I live here. You know, I've got a I've got a little tattoo on my on my ring finger on my right hand that's part of a larger tattoo, but it's a circle with a dot in the middle. And uh it's it's symbolic of the idea of, you know, I'm, I'm alone in this world. It comes from like an old Russian uh, gang tattoo. But the, the meaning of it when I first saw it was I'm in the zone all the time. And I love the idea of that where obviously their zone has a different interpretation than the way that I've put it to use. But the idea is that you have to stay in the war zone all the time. There is a greater holy war and a lesser holy war. And the greater holy war is the one that we fight inside, and if we win the holy war inside, then we cannot be defeated in the external holy war. So keep fighting, guys. Keep your chins up. Keep fighting the good fight. If there's anything you'd like me to cover on a future episode, just hit me up. Um, I'm out on my own now. So the best thing that you can do is uh, if you're if you're down with this and you, you want this stuff to continue, man, consider coming on board as a supporter by hitting the support button on the anchor page for a buck, five bucks or ten bucks a month. Um, it's, it's definitely appreciated. And, uh, as I scratch my head and try to figure out what the next thing is going to be for me, uh, as I move back into a house in the woods and downsize everything again, uh, every little bit goes a long way. So I appreciate you guys. And as always, I'll land on my feet. So hit me up. Uh, I appreciate all the feedback and everything like that. Have a killer day guys, and just keep on fighting. Never surrender.